looking at the pictures and just looking at it, it's pretty aggressive common rust. Um, just be mindful of how much how much potassium you're pulling off and make sure you're charging enough for your straw so that you can put it back. So we've got soybeans that range from R3 to being planted currently. This crop went south in a hurry. We really didn't get the rain with it, just some of the wind. Welcome to the MFA Made for Agriculture podcast. Here are your hosts, Adam Jones and Cameron Horine. All right, folks, welcome to another episode of the Made for Agriculture podcast. My name is Adam Jones. And I'm Cameron Horine. Yeah, and today we've got a, uh, a really cool episode, or actually what we kind of wanted to start with a, a series of episodes. Um, we've got some great agronomists on staff, and we've got the ability here to uh, provide some really timely, great information to our trade territory about kind of what's going on in the countryside, what folks are seeing um, all over all parts of our trade territory from North Missouri to Southeast Kansas to the Boot Heel. And uh, We've got the right folks on the on the horn this morning, and uh, I'm gonna let them go around the room and introduce themselves, and then we'll kind of get right into it. Our our thought process here is to try to keep um, a nice short and sweet episode, um, just covering uh, timely topics and and uh, crop conditions and and things like that. So we hopefully hopefully we'll keep it short and sweet and get you some great information in the meantime. So uh, let's start with introductions. Shannon, go ahead for go first. Yeah. So Shane McClintock. Uh, staff agronomist retail south and west central so i'm down in the southeast kansas south being a staff agronomist here for four years now and started as a crop consultant about eight years ago okay great thanks for jumping on here this morning kevin i'm looking at you next okay uh kevin moore i'm senior staff agronomist for our retail north uh, region which would be northern missouri and southern iowa i've been with the company for eight years now Great, thanks, Kevin. Jesse, you're next on my list. Uh, yeah, I'm Jesse Surface, Southeast Missouri, Northeast Arkansas. I'm a district agronomist. I've been at MFA for 10 years. Great, thanks, Jesse. And Scott, you want to give us an introduction real quick? Sure, I'm Scott Wilburn. I cover the central region, basically St. Louis to Kansas City, and uh, been with MFA for about 25 years. All right, great. Sounds good. Well, thanks to all four of you for jumping on here this morning. Um, I think we're going to kind of go crop guy, crop by crop and have you guys kind of give us some updates from uh, from your geographies about what's going on out there. Um, so looking at this corn crop, we've got a lot of corn that looks like is going to tassel within the next couple of weeks. Um, obviously, there's some weather impacts out there. What are you guys seeing uh, from your geographies? Well, in, in the north, yeah, we're we're about well we've actually got some fields that are just starting to tassel um i'd say next week we'll see see a lot more uh it was getting really dry and yesterday we did get a much needed rain but as with summer storms there were some violent winds that did lay a lot of fields over um a lot, sometimes we get green snap um sometimes the corn lays over uh, if the ground's wet enough um lays over from the base fortunately i have not had a lot of reports of green snap but there there are a lot of fields that are leaning over laying flat um which has caused caused a lot of a lot of concerns but i guess my my biggest advice on a situation like that is we we just have to give it a few days and, and let that corn recover let it stand back upright we'll typically have some goosenecking uh but uh 
which that may may cause some difficulties at harvest but uh, oftentimes we can you know that corn will stand back up enough to where we can still have successful pollination and and still have that yield potential there we just need to give it a few days to see what it looks like and how it recovers yeah gotcha that's good stuff kevin retail south uh we're actually our corn's tasseled and is pollinating right now uh we've got planes lined up last week and there's been fungicide and trend b starting to go on this week uh with it being hot and dry this week there's been some guys maybe thinking about backing out but looking at the future forecast uh we've got a lot of potential for rain again next week uh just i think every day next week has has some sort of moisture in the uh in the forecast we're in a quite a bit different scenario than we were this time last year uh, this time last year, we were seeing a lot of what you guys are seeing up north. Um, thankfully, we were we have a good crop so far. Uh, things are things are looking really good. Disease pressure is starting to pick up. Um, there was some early reports this week of maybe possible southern rust in the area. Uh, since those reports came out, uh, they've actually been confirmed by MU to be common rust. Uh, looking at the pictures and just looking at it, it's pretty aggressive common rust, which tells me that we do still have we have the, the environment and the canopy for if southern rust does show up to um you know could become a huge problem and may require that fungicide application uh chest and stacy their uh, district eight consultant yesterday sent me some pictures that we really think is southern rust uh, we're going to send some samples off first of next week uh to confirm or deny that that's what it is but look at the pictures it certainly looks like it I'm not really sure what the wind did to our crop yet. I was I was further south most of yesterday. Um, I know there were some branches down when I got back home around Mexico. Uh, we really didn't get the rain with it, just some of the wind. Uh, I've not had reports. Um, generally, you know, I, I get pictures and everything after something like that pretty quick and have not heard of anything. And I sure didn't see anything, at least driving up from the south. So, so hopefully we missed that. Um, yeah, we're we've got a lot of corn that's just now uh, starting to tassel as well. Um, I guess the main thing I would just say, depending on where you're at in, in our region, we've got some stuff that looks pretty tough, um, particularly as you get further south. Uh, they're kind of heading in their second year of this in, in a lot of places. But um, a lot of the areas I drive up and down really that I-70 corridor, um, a lot of our crop looks a lot better than than we would expect. Um, you know, overnight lows, with the exception of uh, Wednesday night, Thursday morning, we've cooled off every night. Uh, we were forecasted to be hot again last night. And, uh, you know, when I stepped out of the house a little after five this morning, it was around 68. So we even cooled off again last night. So that's really helping us. Um, the main, I guess the calls that I've received the last few days, there has been, there's been some concern regarding uh, tassels emerging and not seeing a lot of silks. Um, usually from, from at least the folks I've talked to so far upon closer examination or even visiting the field again, you know, a day later, um, so far that has been, uh, been resolved, uh, by the time, you know, pollen starts dropping, you know, silks are starting to emerge. They are emerging, um, I think quite a bit slower than we're used to seeing. And that's, that makes sense, you know, given the, the lack of moisture. Um, the only caution I would give because of that, um, not to raise a huge alarm, but at least to put it on, on folks' radar. We normally, uh, we, we don't worry a whole lot about silk clipping, you know, Japanese beetles, uh, red, 
headed flea beetles. I mean, there's a few others that will work on our silks, but usually the silks outpace that. Um, if these silks are emerging slower, um, you know, and, and if insects are kind of desperate for finding something to eat, that could create a situation this year that's that's a little more unique than what we've seen in the past. So, again, not to raise an alarm on it, but I would keep an eye on on your silks, and if and if you get a lot of insect pressure on those early, uh, it might be the kind of thing that we need to go in and and clean those up to protect pollination. Um, something we normally don't worry about. We usually throw the insecticide in with the fungicide, and this year it could almost be a reverse situation. Gotcha. Yeah, Scott, that's that's good stuff, and um, uh, good to point out the the difference in pollination speed for this year. <clears throat> Jesse, you got anything to add to those guys? The southern half of the territory, of course, is irrigated, uh, and it all looks really good. Probably one of the better looking years we got. Just being able to have a dry spell while we planted and keep it dry and get the corn up really did a big difference there. We go to the north end. I mean, there's places been six weeks without rain, and I really don't want to be negative, but uh, this week it really took a whooping. These couple of days, 100, 105 that we're having with no rain, this crop went south in a hurry. Not saying if we can't get some rain next week, uh, some good things won't happen, but the 200, 210 bushel corn crop we're used to is not going to happen. We're looking 170, 180 if we're lucky. Uh, right, yeah. The no, I think stuff, it's... Lots, of, lots of fungicides going out down south. Uh, just because irrigated, nobody's even batting an eye at that. But it's been a struggle to the north. Sure. Yeah, uh, circling back on the kind of the disease thing, Kevin, you want to, uh, have you been seeing any corn disease kind of in the north or you want to make any comments on that? Because I know that's something that um, that everybody kind of questions. It seems like when we get a dry year as far as uh, what's the disease pressure going to be like uh, under these climatic conditions versus what we typically see? Yes, we we have we have been finding gray leaf spot. We have been finding northern corn leaf blight, which we see we see those every year anymore, wet or dry. And then we do we have there has been reports of tar spot in uh, northern Missouri confirmed in Holt County on the far west side and Marion County on the far east side. And then with our crop track program, we uh, believe we found some in Adair County this week. Um, samples have been sent off to confirm that. But so that uh, that would be um, northeast Missouri still, but kind of a little more central. So we are we are do have evidence of tar spot in the in the north region with now with it being dry and this being a new disease um, that we're still learning a lot about. Um, I guess I don't think it's cause for alarm yet, but it's definitely something we need to need to keep an eye on. Typically from the information we have, it, it uh, does prefer water conditions, but we have had, uh, did finally get some rain recently. So uh, certainly something we'll be watching really close to see how that develops. Yeah, thanks, Kevin. I think, yeah, one of the good takeaways there is this, this is obviously not something that we have to wait for it to come in every year uh, now. It's it's something that we clearly uh, have in our system, and we're going to have to manage through uh, a, as we roll each and every year uh, moving forward. I yeah, think ahead, just Cameron. real quickly, uh, one thing that I think Scott brought up that was important, just to kind of differentiate, because some people have talked about this being similar to 2012, 
I think the one thing that's different between 2012 and this year is like Scott brought up the nighttime temperatures. Um, I think that's that's a huge differentiation. I think that's why we've seen the crop looking fairly decent compared to what we would expect at this point so far. So um, if it continues to be super hot through July and stuff, then maybe we that's going to cause more concerns and issues. But the fact that we have cooled off has helped us a lot. Uh, another another difference, if uh, of course this was over ten years ago now, and uh, but I if if my memory's correct, I I think the drought in two thousand twelve may it might have really started getting severe a little later, a little later than this time of year, rather than where we saw dry dry weather early, um, you know, in twenty twenty three, but. Um, I guess you get you guys might we might have to all put our memories together for that one. It's been well, my recollection from nights since then. Yeah, my recollection from 2012, and I was actually I was having that discussion yesterday, and we can go back in the weather archives and look at some of this, and and I I'd like to just you know it fades like you said over 10 years, but I remember uh, you know the one that really jumped out to me. I have a neighbor that just takes impeccable care of his yard, and you know the sprinkler usually comes out tail end of June first of july and he was watering about the 20th of may that year and i remember just thinking i was as i was in my yard like oh boy here we go because <laughs> it just already kind of had that feeling at least in the in the central part of the state but kind of like you said kevin i, I really want to go back and and re uh, you know look at that um the crop was extremely early too so I, that that elevated some of that stuff i mean we were scouting corn that was up um we had a lot of corn planted on the 15th of march that year we had wheat that was joining it on about the 23rd of March. Um, we were scouting corn that was up by the end of March already. So uh, everything was kind of in overdrive that year all the way around. Yeah, for sure. And the and you guys pointed out the temperatures being different, but I, I definitely remember some, uh, you know, 110 degree uh, daytime highs kind of in that mid-June um, time frame from that year. So, well, I'll just say the one that really, it wasn't that, you know, when we stepped out of the house yesterday morning, it was warm. You know, it was already like mid late morning warm, but it wasn't hot. Um, what I remember from, from 2000, and this is one of the things I wanted to confirm whether it was 2012, 13 or both, because they were both, you know, hot and dry. 12 is the one that jumps out, but 13 was pretty rough too. Um, the one I recall stepping out of the house, you know, two in the morning, you know, to quiet the dog or something like that. And I mean, it was just close and and just extremely hot, even in the middle of the night. We we just right. you know we just didn't receive any relief. And when you walked and when you stepped into beans, um, you know that had any kind of canopy at all. I mean, just the heat that was being held down, and you know even early in the day. Sure, sure. No, that makes a lot of sense. And yeah, there's there's some definitely some correlation from the precipitation pattern, but there there's some pretty key differences there too. Guys, let's move on to soybeans. Uh, what are you all seeing out there? You want to start back with Shannon again and go through? We're kind of in a unique area with uh, as much wheat as we have. So we've got soybeans that range from R3 to being planted currently. Uh, kind of all over the place in terms of how those early crop beans look. Uh, you get up in that west central area, kind of what Scott mentioned earlier, uh, which would be the, the southern end of his territory, the northern, northern end of mine. Uh, we're seeing... We're seeing some drought stress really affecting really affecting the growth of the beans. We've got some R3 beans that are, uh, you know, they're just not very tall. They don't have much growth to them. 
a lot of our early beans get planted in 30 inch rows. And so we're seeing, we're seeing some canopy still open. Um, not what we're used to seeing when we have our three beans, but we've also got areas, you know, farther south, you know, kind of south, I would say south of that Ridge Hill Highway 54 area, where we've got some beans that look really good. Um, so we're kind of all over the place. Insect pressure has been our main concern, especially in those drier areas with webworms and spider mites being a huge concern. Um, I'm really, really concerned about webworms becoming an issue in our in our double crop beans as they start coming up uh, if we stay dry. Um, I've seen it just about every year now somewhere we find uh, you know stands that gets to, just gets devastated by uh, webworms. So it's something we're trying to keep an eye on. Yeah, good stuff. Go ahead, Kevin. What do, what are you seeing up north? So uh, with with soybeans, we are seeing um, some of our early early planted beans. You know, mid mid April, uh, mid to late April that are right at the tail end of R two. We haven't uh, come across any R three beans yet, but I do expect to see some uh, next week, which is very early um, to be at that growth stage. We typically, you know, a lot of times we don't see beans even flower till right around uh, the summer solstice, 21st of June, but we saw, started seeing flowers a couple weeks ahead of that this year, uh, combination of early planting, high temperatures in it at times, uh, which it does, it does happen in, in some, some years. It's not, uh, this isn't the first time we've seen it, but it is, it is kind of rare, but we are, uh, Kind of watching that development, um, kind of very interesting to see how fast things are coming along. I will say though that our beans that are far along like that, we are at least in the 15-inch rows. We are we are seeing that canopy closed um, um, in those situations up north. Uh, I would say what I'm talking about is probably a small percentage of the soy the soybeans um probably the majority of soybeans are probably that early part of r2 um right at r1 at this at this time but uh anyways as far as uh insects goes uh with the dry weather we have we have uh had a lot of spider mite activity a lot of fields getting sprayed we've been uh working on making sure we're um, the right insecticide products are getting sprayed for spider mites as pyrethroids can will not kill spider mites. They can actually make the problem worse. So we're um, making sure we're recommending products that contain either bifenthrin or um, dimethoate or some uh, different modes of action such as Agrimac for, for those spider mites to get those under control. And hopefully this rain that came through will kind of Kind of help those those soybeans that had the damage uh, recover from from the spider mite injury and and prevent prevent the spider mites from you know getting worse and spreading as well. Yeah, good stuff. Thanks, Kevin. Scott. Um, yeah, we uh, we also I mean we've got a wide variety of, of of beans out there. I I looked at some yesterday that you know hadn't had not emerged very long ago, and and also looked at some R threes. Uh, after I, I went out to actually, I was called to just double check a field. They wanted to kind of confirm it was at R2. And, and after I got to looking at it closer, I realized it was R3. Um, talking to people throughout the day, uh, quite a bit of that being found. Um, I guess the thing that I would just, that that triggers fungicides for us. 
um, R3 does. Typically, um, you know, R3 to R5 is when when we look at fungicide. I am I'm I am always adamant, you know, with stores I work with, with consultants I work with, that being early on fungicide in general is is where we usually want to be, and and soybeans in particular, being on the very front end of uh, R3, even to the latter stages of R2, is where I would like to be. But I need to uh, need to amend that a little bit just with the situation we're seeing this year. Usually we're seeing bean, you know, our beans, you know, I, I somewhere in about the middle of July is where we usually see our three beans at the earliest. Um, the vast majority of our late threes that are planted uh, when we usually plant beans here in the last, you know, 10 years when we've really been looking at a lot of fungicide uh, makes those beans hit around the uh, last week of July at, at R3. Um, one thing about that, and, and, and I, I wrote about it in an article this week, it goes into a little more detail, but I'll just say when you get on that backside, going from R3 to R5 can take as little as, you know, just a little more than a week. And, and I've seen that happen a lot to where we would pull the trigger on, uh, you know, 21st, 22nd of July, uh, perfectly timed front end of R3 and you have a weather event, you have a breakdown, you have a supply issue, you have something. And next thing you know, you know, it's the it's the first of August. It's well into R5, and we've missed the window for our best yield. Um, the uh, where we're on the front end end of that now, we have the opportunity. And, and again, I, I threw a chart in from University of Minnesota. Um, Brian Norton with Syngenta reminded me of that yesterday, um, and it does a really nice job of, of showing how you know the full, full range of what you can normally see. And when you get on the other side of that, rather than be you know nine days or so, you can be up around 40 days uh so you know it's kind of expected that right now we could spend a lot more time um i don't expect the beans. i guess what i'm getting at is the beans we found on the you know the 29th of june i don't expect them to race through and be r5 by the 10th of july uh so our window where i always really preach to 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 be on the front end of that i think our window is much wider uh, now so it gives us the benefit of uh you know watching to see what we get uh, you know rain wise here in the next week um, keep our powder dry for a little bit, um, you know, and, you know, it, it, we still have an opportunity for, for the benefit over a longer period of time. Uh, but if we hold off a little bit, it also allows us to stretch that residual out so that we're not um, spraying now and then, and then looking at possibly having to spray for something that shows up later on. Um, from a very practical side also, we've got a lot of beans that are not canopy. I mean, I've got R3 beans that aren't canopied that if we would get a rain this weekend or first to next week, it's very likely that they will continue to be sprayed. Um, you know, so it'd be pretty unprecedented to spray with fungicide and then go back out and start spraying for weeds again. Um, so. Yeah, that's good stuff. Good to point out just kind of the differences from from some of the normal soybeans that, that we've got out there this year. Jesse, you got something that you want to add from the boot heel? Uh, so the northern parts, a lot like Shannon. They're just all over the board. We got guys who aren't even thinking about planting elk crop beans until it rains. And they're going to hold out to about the 10th of July, hoping we'll get something. Uh, and then just like the corn this week has just done a number on them dryland beans. Just you can tell they're not happy. They hadn't been growing. Uh, I mean, we got 15-inch beans that were in the ground for almost 60 days before they reached canopy. And we got some 30 inches that... I don't know if they ever will canopy. So it's just a struggle with weed control. Uh, 
worst year I've ever had just in weed control in general. Just these hot, dry days, and you might get a tenth rain. So the weeds kind of grow, but they're still stressed at the same time and not taking in herbicides. And it's just, it's, for lack of a better just been a nightmare on that. Uh, and then we get into the southern part, the irrigated part. Uh, our early planted beans look really, really good. They're at R3, steadily watering them. And then on the other extreme, we got some beans planted a month ago that pretty well were watered up and been watered ever since. Keep them growing, try to get them to canopy so that makes them. Uh, insects, we're not seeing a whole lot right now. Uh, if we'd start getting some moisture in, I'd expect pot burn to start popping up. That's about all I've got right now. Yeah, good stuff. Thanks, Jesse. So you kind of led us into a transition into kind of those double crop beans and um, just real quick, kind of wanted to go around the horn again and, and kind of get everybody's thoughts on uh, kind of what the wheat was like and um, what is that double crop opportunity, I guess. I know there's some of them that got put in the ground um, before this rain that part of the state got. Um, so hopefully we got enough rain to, to get those to come up. But um, any other thoughts out there? I, I mean, I know there's a there's a hay sh shortage in the world, too, uh, because of drought conditions. And um, so I, I think it may be a good opportunity to to do something down that road as as well in that double crop situation. So, Shannon, you want to talk a little bit about the wheat and what's going on with the double crops? Yeah, so wheat uh, yield wise has been all over the board. Uh, overall, much better than expected, um, which there is that received timely rains. We got to remember wheat's a dry land crop and through the early part of its life this season. It was dry um, and then it started catching rains about Mother's Day, which is about perfect for grain fill. Uh, I've seen some yields that I have never seen before and I don't I hope I get to see them again. Um, and I've also got parts of my territorial to the far west that was drier just a little bit longer, uh, was in much worse shape after the end of last year that the yields are, you know, they're they're not desirable, but we are having a crop, uh, which is which is good. There was a few guys that uh, had grazed their great started grazing wheat this fall uh, with the intention of taking a grain, but because of what you mentioned with the the forage shortage, they decided to go just go ahead and graze it out um, through the season. There's a little bit more than normal straw getting bailed up. Uh, about not I wouldn't say more than normal. Um, it's about as much as we normally see. Maybe it's just a little. Maybe it's just different guys that are doing it this year. Uh, double. We started wheat harvest two and a half, almost three weeks ago now. So what I consider kind of an early harvest, we actually had some beans in the ground now for a while. We got double crop beans up that are V2, V3, and then we got some that are still going in. With the way the forecast looks, uh, with the chance of rain just about every day next week, uh, I think they're still just going. They're just trying to get done. The guys are done. Um, they're trying to get harvest wrapped up, just trying to get beans in the ground as quickly as they can with the, with the intention of it raining. and we get getting good stands. There's a few replants that'll have to happen, but that's that's normal. Gotcha. Good stuff. Thanks, Shannon. Kevin, what are you seeing? Yeah, so well, wheat harvest has been going on for oh about a week or so, and yields are all over the place. Uh, Fifty bushel an acre on the low end, and up to 110 on the high end, and that those swings are, uh, yeah, well, one being a pretty 
pretty wide area from east to west. So as you can imagine, there's, um, you know, different weather events hitting at different times through that growing season is a part of it. And then, then different management practices, um, that growers are implementing on wheat. Um, some of the guys that are growing wheat year after year and, uh, trying to push those yields, that's where we're, where we're seeing that on the high end. So we did have, have, did see some really good, good yields there. Um, this is a little bit earlier of a wheat harvest than normal, so I, I do anticipate a lot of a lot of double crop beans going going in after um, after this wheat harvest wraps up. Gotcha. Thanks, Kevin. Scott, you want to go next? Yeah. Overall, just kind of um, kind of the way Shannon was saying in particular, um, just yields yields have been much better than expected. Um, Wheat is a dry land crop, but there about a month and month and a half ago, things were pretty tough. Um, you know, I, like I've said, just talking about how this year is, you know, singular in a lot of ways. The, you know, twenty some odd years of doing this, and I I have never told a guy that his you know his wheat really needed rain in the, uh, you know, in the spring of the year. I uh, received a phone call, you know, about irrigating you know wheat. I've never received that call. Um, so for, for that, and then as well as when we really started to, uh, to fill and everything about a month ago, it, we had a few days where it got, you know, it got really warm and that concerned me, I, you know, that can really make us race through stages. And, um, but, you know, as far as wheat goes, the weather straightened itself out pretty quick. We, we cooled off again and, uh, you know, here in excellent yields and, uh, and good test weight, good quality. Um, so been a, been a positive overall. A lot of double crops already in the ground. Um, to uh, uh, I think Shannon also mentioned a lot of straw being rolled up. I've noticed that as well. Uh, I know this is kind of my beat that I always, you know, talk, you know, speak about it. Seems like, but uh, just remember how much potassium you're pulling away whenever you start rolling up straw. Um, you know, I was I saw a field yesterday. They were they were combining. They were rolling up straw and right across the road soybeans have potassium deficiency in them uh, understandable you know that i mean i understand that the that the weather is 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 also exacerbating that situation but you know 20 years of looking at soil tests it also follows a lot of times the numbers that we have so when you're pulling all that all that material off um just be mindful of how much how much potassium you're pulling off and make sure you're charging enough for your straw so that you can put it back yeah it's good stuff Jesse, you want to add anything? I know you mentioned double crops down there in the um, kind of in the southeast, but uh, anything else on the wheat double crop soybean front? Uh, wheat was really good this year, um, especially for the guys who, like Shad said, managed it right. Um, very well, like 20 bushel better than what we ever thought of better. So, like, there's no complaints on the wheat front. Uh, and then the double crops, a lot of them, more than half. Some guys planted. Some guys didn't, but either way, we're still waiting on the rain to get majority of the double crops up. Yeah, that makes sense. There's there's a lot of folks across the trade territory that are in that that same boat. So, thanks, Jesse. All right, guys, I think I'm going to cut us off there. Just as we've uh, for for time constraints, I appreciate everybody taking the time to to listen today. Um, just uh, it's it's hard for us to get everybody together, but I feel like uh, even in this scenario where we've got you know three folks on the road and 
uh, one before he jumps in his truck and takes off for the day. Um, I, I think it's great to get this information across. So apologize if there's any feedback or, or goofy background sounds as, as all of us are in the field for the day. Um, but, but I still think it's a good, good way to, to get some great information out there and, uh, we'll try to tidy that stuff up next time. But anyway, appreciate you for jumping on here this morning and appreciate everybody jumping on and, uh, and listening for the day. And we'll, we'll be back with another one of these episodes in two weeks. So thanks folks. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Made for Agriculture. Email comments and questions to podcast at mfa-inc.com.